Hello and welcome to episode one of Football Revisited. Today we revisit and review the big talking points from the weekend's action, including the Merseyside derby and West Ham's comeback against Spurs. We will also be ranking our eight players who failed to reach the heights we expected of them before looking ahead and giving our predictions for next weekend's games. Time for some introductions. I'm Nathan Burke. We've also got the man who thought Spurs could break the Man City LFC top two, Luke Buttle, aka Butts. Do you stand by that? Ask me next week, because it changes <laughs> on a weekly basis. But at this current point, no. Um, we've also got uh, the person who thinks goalkeepers are a waste of space. Hugh Sims, stand by that? Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. Do you want to expand on that at all? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the man who said Arsenal have the best front three in the Premier League, Rob Owen. Rob, stand by that? Well, if the season was summed up after week one, yes. However, yes. So we move ahead and uh, speak about the first game of the weekend, which was the Merseyside derby. Um, But in particular, you and I have been quite complimentary about Everton before this weekend and how they started the season. What did you make of them? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a big shift in, I think, their belief around the club. Obviously, Carlo Ancelotti in charge, great manager, experience. Um, I think same as might have said the last like 10 Merseyside derbies have been really dull really boring football whereas that game was really exciting obviously we're going to talk about all the talking points but from an Everton point of view like I felt for the first time that they could actually win Merseyside derby that they were going toe to toe you know with obviously a brilliant Liverpool side uh, Carlos obviously plugged the gaps in his team they looked like a you know well run well run team everyone knows what they're doing uh, so yeah I'm still, I know they got the draw in the end, but I'm still impressed with everything. Yeah, they they turned up and in a way you want Merseyside Derby, you turn up with passion and like you think back to the Carabao Cup game last year when they played basically Liverpool youth and they yeah. turned up and it's like they didn't care. They turned up with passion, but they did cross line a couple of times, which we'll get into. The only thing I would say, it is a different look. Like Rob, we were talking about Alan saying about how many little fouls he was doing on halfway. In a way, that's that's great. That's what you want them. Dark Arts wins games. Rodriguez, Allen, great at that. But then we'll go straight in and talk about when that crosses line with the first incident, which was obviously after the Manny goal, Pickford on Van Dyke. Sims, do you want to take that? <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> do you want me to take it? Yeah, it's a goalkeeper as a bad tackle. <laughs> I mean, great. I got a goalkeeper's a ways to spare it anyway, but when the John Pickford. <laughs> I mean, they'd be better off if he had been banned for three games, Everton, to be honest. But uh, at best, it's reckless. At best, it's reckless. I mean, I I can see what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to be... I, I watched the, I sent it all to you earlier on. The Rob Green analysis of it was brilliant. You can see he's trying to do the big starfish, Michael. Um, but, you know, he is just completely... It's a, it's a, it's a keeper who's devoid of any confidence. And he's just completely lunged in, and it is so dangerous. And you know, yes, you are. You know, yes, there are challenges that go in during a game, but it's diff- it's very, very difficult to take when you know you you lose any player for for you know it's going to be eight, nine, ten months maybe on the back of what it was a, a rash lunge. And like best case scenario, I don't understand what Pickford thinks he's getting there, yeah, because. 
I, the ball is in the air, so he's lunged when the ball's in the air. So he's not going to kick the ball. Even if Van Dijk gets yeah, it, there's if, no angle. Like, if Van Dijk popped up and there's, you know, there's no injury, then he's still probably going to get, well, I say he's probably going to get sent off. He didn't get sent off anyway, but you know, in <laughs> any true. other time, any other game, he would be sent off. So, you know, almost the, the Van Dijk injury is, you know, it's irrelevant almost to the actual tackle. The tackle itself was a horrendous tackle. It was, you know, you'd given away a penalty, it'd been a red card. Any other game. It seems there's like special dispensation for goalkeepers for some reason. They're allowed to be that a bit more reckless than any other player on the field, which is ridiculous. Because it was... I, I, we're going to have this debate a bit later with Ricards and Tackle as well. But for me, the Pickford one was worse because of how high... Like, yeah. he wrapped around Van Dyke's knee. Van Dyke's knee is about six foot off the floor. It's, like, it's that's how tall it is. It's not the type of challenge you often see as well. You know, when when you watch it back, you're like, it's so high. It's it's literally above yeah. his knee. It's was his thigh. I mean, you just don't see that sort of challenge in any form of football, really. And yeah, like the Richardson is probably worse just because of the, the impact of the studs going on to obviously tells like that's obviously a leg breaker. Yeah. But like with the, that one, I mean, let's be honest. I, I watched it back, and Van Dyke. It shows how tough a boy he is because he got up. He was obviously wincing. Like me and Sims have done our knees, we know pain for it. And he walked off the pitch like just like he kind of was limping as if nothing really had happened. Um but yeah, I mean it could have been worse because his leg was straight and the impact of him and uh Pickford coming in. Yeah. I mean it could have been a lot, lot worse. Snapped his leg. Yeah. So you know, like Sims say, is you know, if it happened to be even worse, I mean, would he have been sent off? I don't think he would have been sent off still. Just it seems a bit of a cop out to be honest. I don't know who the referee was. Um, Michael Oliver. And then David... the VAR guy. Yeah. Because oh, Michael Oliver, he shouldn't really be excused. But at the end of the day, VAR is there. Yeah. To, like it's a clear and obvious mistake. That's what VAR was brought in to do to eradicate those mistakes. And that is probably one of the worst VAR decisions. Like you know me, I'm pro VAR. I, you know, yeah. I think it's good for the game. But stuff like that, just you not know, helping yourself with. Just. Just on the tackle itself, before I go into my rant on VR, that it's so rash. Like I said, I cannot understand what Pickford's thought process is. Because you think, right, is he putting his leg out the guy? Is that to stop the ball? Well, it's not to stop the ball because the ball is still travelling. And you just think, um, how is nobody pulling him aside? Because the worst thing is, I, I, I couldn't remember it, but you watch it again. He's done it previously. It's not the first time he's doing that. And I think yeah. um, I think Ryan Mason tweeted about it, didn't he? So, yeah, yeah, he did. Not the first time, and it won't be the last time. It is so dangerous to be doing that. And if you do it once, it's you know, players don't forget. Players don't forget those type of things. You've seen the comments from Ginny and Adams this afternoon. Players won't forget that kind of tackle. No. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's, it's robbed... Forget Liverpool. It's just robbed a player of, his, of a year of his career... Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's just for one moment of stupidity. Um, have any of you seen what Mark Bosnich has said or suggested? Yes. No. Uh, remind, Rob, remind me. I'm going to ask you. Mark Bosnich has suggested that if a player in, um, injures oh, another yeah. player, like from a tackle like that, that they should be suspended for the same amount of time as the player is out injured. What do you think, Rob? Uh, it's a bit overkill, isn't it? I mean... 
like you know, it, it's it's you know, it's sport thing things like that can happen. I mean, you see fair tackles result in leg breaks. Um, no, I, I think it's a bit. bit it's an overreaction by... because yeah, of yeah. how extremely bad the tackles this weekend yeah. were. But you go next weekend, someone could break their leg for an innocuous challenge. It's just, yeah, exactly. it was an extreme example this weekend. I feel like we should have some sort of noise to indicate when a hot take alert has happened because that is the ultimate hot take. <laughs> yeah, that I is. mean, that is <laughs> such a stupid thing to say. I mean, that you know, it's an Aussie goalkeeper special. that not many people know who he bloody is. So I don't get why he's speaking <laughs> about Premier League games every week. That is such a silly thing to say when you're just taken away from the actual what happened where he should yeah. be banned. But no, it, you open a can of worms, you start to do that. It's, yeah, it's a nonsense. Um, we will get on to VAR, but we'll speak more about kind of now what, how the teams move forward. So Liverpool without Van Dijk, do you think they can manage? But it's hard because obviously what Joe Gomez did against Villa, Matip's injury history, Fabinho. Although I think he could do a job there, as not his natural position. I think for Liverpool, if they can get to January the first and still be close, maybe on top, or close to whoever is on top, still in with a shout. You know, hopefully by... This is the problem. I mean, Van Dykes don't grow on trees. There are not many good centre-backs in world football at the moment. I think it's a really poor position worldwide. So whoever you're going to bring in is going to have to be top dollar, ready to play, you know, top, top play in that position, which is going to be hard for Liverpool, I think, to get. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the team is good enough to yeah. still be in with the title challenge, but it has changed the feeling of Okay, I think Liverpool would win it. Now it's kind of up in the air. It opens up a bit more for those teams, especially yeah, yeah. with the kind of mixed form of Man City starting the season. Yeah. Opens up a bit. Um, me and Rob were looking yesterday at free agents available. Liverpool could get in short term. Anton Ferdinand was his name stood out. <laughs> <laughs> Do a job till January. 2006 shortlisted PFA player of the year. I mean, what's not to like? What do you want? Um, I think 2006, anyway. Um, Sims, do you think uh, Liverpool needs sign in Jan, or do you think they can cope without the season? I think I think they I think they were certainly going to set by centre back next summer anyway. So I think that comes forward, and yeah, I think you would do go and get a centre back. What or who you get is is the big question in terms of can they survive and can they challenge this year? I mean, I've gone through all the stages of. Um, of loss, I've gone through them, <laughs> and probably I've gone past grief. I've gone past acceptance. anger. Acceptance, acceptance is probably where I'm at now. And to be, I'll take the, I'll put the positive spin on. I don't know if you want to do the negative spin because the negative spin is the obvious one. It's, you know, the, all the, the Van Dyke, how good he is, what he brings. There's all, there's no need to explain that. But you look at it from a Liverpool point of view. In this time, you make you look at it, you think, well, is this a season now where Joe Gomez can mature and be the man to lead the defence? So you think, right, that, that could be a, a bonus. You think, I think of Matip and Gomez individually, it might actually help both of them because when they play alongside Van Dijk, they're the only ones who get targeted. Everything goes down to them. So they're having a lot. All the pressure comes through them because nobody wants to go near Van Dijk. Yeah. Well, if it's Gomez and Matip now, you know, perhaps teams will... You know, they'll just think, oh, we fancy both of them. It doesn't matter. Share the workload a bit more. Exactly. They sh- it's spread out a bit more. I think Andy yeah. Robertson is a loser out of it because I think he's going to have to defend far more than he's done in the past. Yeah. On true. our left side. Um, but, you know, yeah, look, Liverpool are a brilliant team. I think 
the big signing now is if Thiago can stay fit because what Liverpool can do now is they can run a game from midfield, which yeah. in the past and before Van Dijk arrived, which is what everyone is basing the idea that Liverpool can't cope on. Yeah, because they think that Liverpool are the same team exactly as they were three now, years ago. Which you know, I not. said to you on Saturday, I was just like, give the ball to Thiago, let him just dictate. And I think in a few weeks' time, when Liverpool have got used to it a bit more, you'll see Thiago, and I think Liverpool might chore up and they might go 4 2 3 1 a bit more often to get those two in the midfield. And I think Liverpool will try and run games in the midfield, keep the ball a bit more. Um, and, you know, they might also go, I wouldn't be that surprised if they go three at the back, maybe. And then try yeah. big wing backs. You know, they could they could do that. But yeah, I, I think, look, I, I'm very I'm very sceptical and I'm very wary of ruling Liverpool out when yeah. every time this team has had big, big disappointments or things have gone against them, they've always come up trumps and they've shown a reaction. Even Saturday. This is a team, last time we saw them, they lost 7-2. Yeah, exactly. I thought Liverpool were outstanding. They did, you know, they, look, they completely deserve to win. The goal at the end, whatever, you know, whatever. We we we'll touch on that. Yeah. Later. I mean, Liverpool are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They played Everton, who have won four or four off the park at times. It's um, easy to forget as well. You mentioned Thiago; that was his first start. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like he's been. I saw. Not the best pundit, Garth Crooks uh, name him in his uh, team of the week. But saying that he, he played like he's been playing Merseyside derbies for years. And Did, that is uh, actually... Garth Crooks put Thiago at right back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. Um, no, Thiago, but then again, he has been playing the obviously um, Munich derbies, Munich Dortmund. He's been playing um, Classico, so he's more than equipped. But yeah, he, he's quality, and I'm hot taking that he's going to like already make that position his own. Like, I'm all in this. No risk of that signing flopping. Scan will come in later that he's done his ACL as well. I was say, if he can stay fit. <laughs> yeah. um, so, as well as Thiago, on an Everton point of view, I thought Calvert-Lewin was uh, quality. As a lone striker, he did everything you want in that type of game. But do you want to uh, take yeah, that I mean, away? It, it's one of them, and it's, he obviously comes into this season, it's a bit of, oh, is he just having a good start? But... So watching some of the highlights, his first touch seems a lot better. Um, his chest holder plays a lot better. His runs, yeah, he, he just looks like the complete striker at the moment. And then one that. chance, one goal as well. Really, I can't remember yeah. having any other big chances. You know, like you know, the one nil down, he runs in. You know, he's a really tight angle, gets a nice shot off to Adrian. You know, he makes half decent save. You know, they score from that corner. He just looks like he's gonna take all the brunt, all the the pressure off yeah. the rest of that team. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's on fire at the moment. So. Scored in his five opening games. Three other players have managed that. Do you want to hazard a guess? One's Man U, one's Man City, one's Arsenal. Guero. Guero's Man City. No. Henri. Played, played with Root. Um, not Henri. Uh, so, um, I'll tell you. Cause, uh, old school no. Man U. Um, it's, yeah, Vodafone, shirt sponsor, but then also AIG and all them. So, Scott. I don't know if you said it because my video pause, I'll tell you, Rooney. Uh, right. Um, and then Arsenal's was Reyes, Jose Antonio Reyes, scored in his five opening uh, Prem games for Arsenal. Um, so, in the Merced derbies, another trivia question, boys. There's been 22 red cards in Premier League history. 
in that like fixture. Do you want to guess the split? How many Everton have had and how many Liverpool have had? So out of twenty, last two years Everton have had quite a few. They've racked them up, haven't they? They have racked them up. I'm but I'm going to go. I remember Jerry getting a few. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he probably makes up most of this Liverpool. Figure. What is it? Twenty-two, you said, is it? Twenty-two. Yeah. Shall I make my sure my maths is right? Now? <laughs> it's like thirty and one. I was going to say no. Uh, <laughs> We'll go with uh, 10 and 12 and in, in Everton's favour. Boys, what are we saying? I have no idea, so I'll just say the same. <laughs> I'll go 13-9, Everton. 15-7. Double. Um, plus one, obviously. I don't want my maths to come under the mic. Um, Liverpool conceded 13 goals in five Prem games a season. It took them 15 games last season to reach the same level. I know Liverpool lost their best defender. Is that a concern, Rob, at all? Defensively? Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's been such a weird start to the season, though. Uh, I think we've got to take that into consideration. Um, obviously, Alisson being out. We, like, we noticed last season when Alisson had that, those chunk of games remiss and Adrian was in. And Adrian on Saturday... Oh my gosh, it's 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 it is painful to watch right. him. It, he cannot command the defense, and he, he, I don't think he can barely command himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it's it, it is take. frightening. Yeah, yeah, hot take. Um, yeah, I, I think it is a worry with Van Dyke being out. Um, I don't want this to be going back to the team of three or four years ago when we had to outscore opponents. Uh, but I think. No one in as last season. None of those one nil grinds, those two ones. Yeah, like I think probably more a lot, lot more draws this year and outscoring opponents. Fair. Um, I've tried stretching out the game talk as much as I can, but let's get to VAR and the refs' decisions. So late on, then within two minutes of each other, you had Rickarlson sent off. No complaints with that. So we'll move straight on and go to the Mane offside. Um. So it was measured by his sleeve, went to VAR, and given offside. But what are we thinking? Offside? Not offside? Should uh, they... First of all, no, I, I don't think it's offside. I think, yeah, for me, the problem is it's not so much is it black and white? Is, he off, is his sleeve offside? Yes or no? Because if you go by that logic, okay, then technically it's offside. It's, they need to think of something. And I don't really know what the answer is. They need to think of a new way of judging. Of, making, of judging, you know, do you give do you give the attacker? I don't know. Give them a certain distance. If they're within that, then they're onside. I, I I don't know. I don't know. It, Steve Simmons had an idea for this last year. I don't know if you remember. Offside. <laughs> no, go off the feet, didn't it? So if the feet are onside, yeah, onside. Because Mane was. If you go by the feet, he's about foot and a half onside. Uh, thing is, he can't. Well, you know what do we say? The shirt is offside, isn't it? Well, yeah. Have you ever tried scoring with your shirt? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's because the handball rules change. So basically, t-shirt. It's the t-shirt line. Anything uh, below the t-shirt line, then you judge yeah, it by how baggy some t-shirt is. Exactly. Remember uh, the Cameroon in the 2002 when they had like sleeveless tops? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, man, yeah. they before every free kick just ro- roll up the sleeves. <laughs> Gaining, well, we win that game if he does that. Yeah, I think if you did that, that would be so. Obviously, if you if someone scores with their foot, 
is someone's foot offside. If they score their head, is their head offside. I think that would be an easier way to, because then it is black and white. You go, okay, there it is. And then you're not bringing people's bloody knees, hips, sleeves, sleeves. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> toenails. You're not bringing all that into into play. Gareth um, Bale come with his three quarter sleeves. Mourinho like come uh, over with the scissors. Yeah. <laughs> but you know my big problem with all this chat, and I completely agree with everything. It's that whatever we do, we're putting then the trust on the actual bloke or woman who's in the van to get it right. And they clearly cannot. And it's just, it, um, it's just baffling. Like, Alan Sheeler, yeah. the best thing I've heard all weekend. How have they seen now that that's offside, but not been able to see the Van Dyke and Pickford instead? I was going to mention it back then, actually, but because I knew we were coming on to this. How long they took to work out Van Dyke was offside? They took a good two minutes. In that two minutes, what stopped Michael Oliver just running over, checking, actually. Like all David Coote had to say, look, I'll check the offside. There's a really bad tackle afterwards. I'll check the offside. You check that. It's just common sense it comes down to. Yeah. And Or even, like, if he's the amount of focus he put on the offside, if he put that same amount of focus on the Van Dyke-Pickford instant, there's no other answer than a red card. Well, I just you know, my, I my problem with it, it's not like it was an offside, but in back play, this tackle happened. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like an off the ball incident where you were thinking, oh well. In fairness, if he's you know if he's in the moment looking there, it's in the same play. Like yeah, literally, yeah. you can't not see the tackle. And then you come to the man offside. I just think my problem with it is that the whole thing of VAR is meant to take out any doubt. Well, you're watching them do these lines, and you and I think the way they do it, where there's like a line, and all of a, he's onside, all of a sudden they put this new line, and he's offside. <laughs> yeah. And you think, hang on a sec, I don't actually think he is offside. And, like, you shouldn't have a doubt. There shouldn't be yeah. any doubt. It should be like, well, clearly he is offside. It was brought in so you wouldn't question it. The yeah. fact is, people question it now more than, more than ever, because before, you wouldn't have the lines. You'd see, like, the money when you go, every fan sitting at home would watch that without the lines and go, yeah, actually, he's on site. He's level. Even he's... with the lines, he looks level. That's the yeah. worst thing. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, if you can show it, then fair enough. I do have a theory on how to fix it, though. Just so you know. I okay. also have a theory as well. <laughs> so, that, so, what I was going to say was, with since we as brought in, I don't think I've heard as many people calling for a constant rule changes. It seems like every month or two, people are saying, oh, you've got to change. It's the rules fault. It's the rules fault. Like, VAR was brought in to fix everything, and now we're being sold. Oh, it's not VAR's fault, it's actually football's fault. You know that thing we've been doing for 200 years and everything's been good? No, it's, that's the problem, not this brand new technology. And that's my problem with it is, I don't like it, but VAR is going to stay. So, changing things too to fix it, boys. What's, what's the ideas? But go on, well, you go first. Well, mine's, mine's too radical, and I haven't thought about it too much. But I've always thought about this with offside. Why can't you have? So now you've got that room on the pitch, on the side of the on side of the pitch, where the players um, warm up and stuff. Why can't you have on either side some sort of uh, technology or machine that's constantly going up and down, up and down the field, up and down? It's, it's just tracking. There's just a line going between the two points, and it's just tracking that line. And then you have a second place where somebody's on the ball, and there's some sort of track in the ball, and they're constantly on that line. So whenever there's obviously when the ball goes, and there must be some sort of software technology where they can clock exactly when that line on the ball is done. 
and then clearly you can just see because you see with the with the VAR lines there's two lines and then they bring out that little dot thing and they do into the arm of the player I'm just like it's far far too complicated just get one line because yeah, what you said doesn't sound complicated at all well, I'm not saying, <laughs> I've thought about it but this is what I mean it, you you've just got to you got to think outside the box here because obviously what they're doing now is not working I'm not saying mine's right it's just an idea that's coming in my head I've got firmly inside the box. I have. Is it offside rule as well, Sims? Is that what it you're is. fixing? Okay, what have we yeah. got? Well, I, I'm. I've always been dead against comparing football or any other sport to another sport because I think it's just not applicable. However, when it comes to video ref and VAR and that everything, for me the answer is pretty simple. You look at rugby league, for example, or rugby union. Before it goes to the video ref, the referee on the pitch has to say, I think it's a try or I don't think it's a try. And then it's up to then the video ref to either disprove him. So, for example, if I was to say as a ref, I think that's a goal, I don't think there is an offside. Mm -hmm. Unless you can prove that there is an offside, then it's a goal. So what it requires is a lot more of a lot more ownership of a decision from the on-field officials, the two linesmen, and the the referee. And then it's up to VAR not to look for it; it's to not look up to VAR to disprove the call on the pitch. If it's offside, but they've said I think it's a goal, and VAR sees it's offside, then you can clearly disprove it. But for example, no flag went up on Saturday for the Liverpool goal. Yeah. So then you can't disprove because VAR wouldn't look at that and go, "Well, I can prove that that is wrong call." Yeah, they would just say, "Well," and I don't think anyone can mourn about that. No. The problem we had, the VAR came in, was because we wanted them to stop missing obvious offsides, the ones where we can see that is offside, or we can see, "Oh yeah, there's handball." Like the terminology they use at the time, clear and obvious. Yeah. It is. So that's if if the official on the field goes, oh, look, I I think that's a goal. Is there anything you can see? If they can't prove it, if you can't say, well, yeah, look, it's, it is offside, or yeah, look, it's clearly come off his hand. If it's not, if it's not as you said, clear and obvious, goal. Yeah. But do you not think you... I, I agree. I, I think that's a good idea. But do you not think people would still mourn about it? People would still go... Oh, well, why is the ref asking? Why is he saying I, I think it's a goal when it's clearly it might not be? But but that my so argument would be, a, if it's clearly it might not be, then it would come up on the replay and yeah. you could that's your proof that you can disprove it. Yeah, but you've seen in, in rugby and air, but say that there's a driving ball and the ball goes down, the referee gives a try. And then he says, Is there any reason I can't award a try? And the TMO can't prove it. But then I don't. But then that's, Jeremy, that's always, you stick to the field decision. Yeah, and then that's yeah, where you're going to have people exactly, and that's what I would say with the rugby, with the more, for example, there's so many bodies there. That never happens in football. There's right. never, you never have like a pipe. Like in football, there are so many cameras. One thing you can't have a go at football and VR with is the amount of camera and like the amount of angles they have for things. What yeah. about NFL lines though? There's no the first down, the line of scrimmage. Can, that, can they look at that? Because that seems clear and obvious. When they do, unless they bring the little measuring stick thing out, if it's a yard, they don't incorporate that. I don't know how it works. Yeah, but surely they could look into it and be like, yeah, 
that's the end of it. How does that work? How do you do I think that? we can all agree there's a lot better ways of doing it than they are doing it now. Yeah, that's basically the takeaway here. Basically, getting a pen like that and drawing. Oh, there we go. There's a little <laughs> yeah. Let's see if it works. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, VR up, um, bin it or keep it? If you had your way, obviously, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, it's hard because, like, you keep certain things about it. I don't think you totally bin it. I think, like, we've come, we've come. What season are we in with VAR at the moment? Season number two, yeah, something like that. Because we, it was the Russian World Cup, the World Cup of Russia. That was like not refined at all. And it's like as as it's going on, it's taking little steps, but it is those big incidents. Um, No, I just think it it still needs to be a part of football. It just needs to be. Refined, it needs, yeah, it needs to be fixed, yeah. But I think as soon as you let uh, human error be more of a part, um, it, you know, what is the point in technology at times? And that's the problem actually with the VAR is everything that they get wrong is the human error side of it, actually. Yeah, I think um, Simon said it before this the people behind it as opposed to the pictures themselves. Do you know, there's, there's one thing with the VAR that I've never been able to understand. And I, I was reading an article about it on the weekend and it just further highlighted it. It's the only um, technology-based kind of assistance in any sport where they haven't gone just full, um, well, not animation, but, for example, you think of Hawkeye and you think of the one Hawkeye in Cricket. for the actual technology. It's got nothing to do with a person is that what you mean? Yeah, well, yeah. So if you think of um, Hawkeye, isn't it? That's um, simulation. That's that's the thing I want to say. So simulation. So it's all. It is literally a simulation of it, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas in a, in football, they use the actual. So like for example, it was Sadio. It was Sadio Mane on the on the photo. I'd rather than just go full right. This is the still, but is actually a simulation. Because yeah. at least then you've got more of an idea and it's more gen- yeah. it's more to the point. And you see it from looking at a shirt. 60. Where, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Strange, like. Strange. And worst thing is they've clearly got that technology because Sky Sports yeah. do it, where they recreate the goals and yeah. stuff like that. It's yeah. Um moving on to Chelsea Southampton, three all. Um with Liverpool losing Van Dijk, we were saying it could open up the title race a bit more. Do you think Chelsea are one of the teams who could maybe... Absolutely not. Absolutely no? not. What a shocking defence. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have time for Chelsea. I do not have time for Chelsea. For a team that spent £250 million in the window and barely addressed their defensive issues and their goalkeeper issues. I mean, the news broke today. They brought Pet to check out the retirement. I mean, yeah. what what screams panic more? It's uh, no, I'm, I I've got quite a lot of friends who are Chelsea fans, and I take some joy in them, in in how much rage they're producing at the moment. But I love going back a few weeks when they're thinking about their attack. You know, the Werner and Harvard, I mean, those and Ziyech, and I, and I'm just like, well, what what about the back? Yeah, yeah, defense wins you titles. That that old saying, well. That's not going to win them anything. They've conceded a goal and a half per game as on average under Frank Lampard, more than any other Chelsea manager. That's, that's a lot. That, 
therein lies the problem that yeah. Frank is not well, one, he's not experienced enough probably to have that job at this stage. You know, how we got him top four last season, I'll never know. Um, but it just screams that he doesn't know how to put a defense together. Um, I don't know if he's got the right coaching staff in, but he, you know, in the NFL, would say he needs a defensive coordinator badly. He needs someone to come it's in. Big Sam, man. Big Sam. Honestly, temporary until the end of the season. Honestly, if, if he was wise, he'd be doing something like that because, like you say, you can't ship that many goals and try and win the league. Because at the end of the day, he's going to get sacked in the next year or two if this carries on. So he needs to do something. You can't just keep spending money on attacking defenders. Well, they spent seventy-one million pounds on the most expensive goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, who had a check back in? So yeah, who played right. like um, he was glitched on FIFA. <laughs> that one yeah. for Shea Adams' goal was ridiculous. Like Shea Adams didn't touch the ball. Yeah, he's just rolling at him, and he just dives to the floor and completely misses it. The goalkeeper for our club's team is better than Kepa. It's like every single week he tops the previous week's mistake, and it's it's quite unreal to be fair. I'm shocked that a goalkeeper's made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea. But it goes back to though, when you asked about Liverpool, can they still win the league? I think this is the best season, not the best, because you never want a player like Van Dijk to get injured. But this is the one where it gives you hope, because all the other teams seem like they're going to concede goals. And everybody yeah. else's defence is not great. So. Um, I saw this stat and it made me feel so old. Theo Walcott last played for Southampton in January 2006. Wow. That's when he last played for Southampton before that. But had a good game as well, by the looks of it. I only watched him match of the day. Um, yeah, he created chances. I think he... Um, early on, he beat Camp Day and had a shot yeah. from the distance. Uh, yeah, as well. Um, anything more to be said on Chelsea game? They're awful. They're awful. Danny Ings scored again. Danny Ings, love it. Only uh, Vardy has scored more goal, prem goals than him since the start of last season. Um, Spurs, West Ham next. So, Batsy really should have dragged out uh, uh, the Southampton Chelsea chat a bit more. First question I've got you is just Batsy, what happened? 3 0 up after 80 minutes. It's either 3 and 10. And now I hear football again. So, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up, really. But um, I, I don't know, I can't answer your question, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I still have watched the game back. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was watching it. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick up for Spurs a little bit here, unbelievably, because, I mean, oh. it's not really in my character, but this is the time, like I said two weeks ago, Liverpool, this is where things always seem far worse than they actually are. Because if I'm... If you want to really want to look at it, and you, I know it's really difficult. And look, it's, it's an it's an awful drop. Two points is awful. However, for seventy five minutes, Spurs look really good, really good. So you've got to take heart in that. I think Harry Kane looks off well. He looks like one of the top players in the league at the moment. He looks brilliant. I didn't think he had the the whole passing range and the whole dropping in deep and linking play up like this. I mean, he's always been decent linking play up, but. You know, some of the passes he's playing now, it's, yeah. it's different level. You know, he, he's getting assists from 40, 50 yard passes. Exactly. Which, while the striker does that. And I think the problem, the worry you've got, well, the problem you've got is, as every, every other team is, you could say, right, right, okay, let's go with him and push. But I look at Spurs now, and I think they play exactly like Liverpool do a couple of years ago. 
where they have that. You've almost got Kane as a Firmino, but he's also going to score you the goals. Yeah, but he's he's Kane's good. Kane comes deep. That's all he's. That's all they're asking you to do. Is that's all they want? This son, and um, and well, it will be Bale to go beyond as your Salah and your Mane, and it's just going to work like every time, isn't it? They, you know, you got to look at the guy. And I think Hoiberg look better. The left back looks decent enough. Although I'm still unsure if he's going to be an Alberto Moreno type. Um, but yeah, I mean it's almost unforgivable to to concede two, three like that. I mean one's a worldy. Yeah, you're right, telling off. But to let them into the game in the first place, I think it's the, one the biggest crime. Really, really, really annoyed me. Really, really annoyed me. Because I was watching the game and I, I was watching it when Sanchez is actually playing quite well. There's a, quite a few balls come in and he's just cleared it nicely with either foot, just knock it out for, for a throw in. And then for some reason, th- this just epitomizes Spurs, especially at the back. We concede one and then all of a sudden Sanchez stops doing things they've done all game and it's worked fine. And then he just, this stupid little glanced header, which to be fair, if he's playing up front, it'd be a great goal. But I don't, and he didn't just clear it with his left foot out for a corner or a throw-in. It comes back to this point. I don't get why defenders are so scared of, con- uh, of corners. Like, how many people score from corners realistically? Not that many. Just get it out. And then he's so timid and he's so scared to concede another goal that all he has to do is clear it or head it out for a corner. But yet he's in two or three minds and he it glances in and we can see two in two minutes. And it, it just... It just oh, I've seen it too many times in Spurs. It just always happens. One thing goes wrong. And it just bloody crumbles. Everybody starts panicking. You know, as good as Harry Kane is and all the boys up front, it just takes out one incident in the game and the, the boys just, just crumble. And this is why I say I don't blame Jose. This has been happening well, for as long as I've been sporting Spurs. Especially the last five years. Yes, it is it's soft, isn't it? Like Carragher and uh, Neville say, soft and the bevel. And it's still there. And I'm just praying that Jose just batters it out of them. I bet Jose has got that he took Endon Bailey off at of 3 0 because he loves blaming him for oh, stuff. He was honestly, <laughs> he's played, I've been saying it for a few weeks, he was so good on the weekend. He was, he was brilliant. He was what a 60 million player should look like. He was taking the ball on, he was just doing stuff that nobody else in the pitch could do. Um, I don't know, it's hard to look at the positives. Because <laughs> yeah. although we score three, you know, it's like, oh, well, all right, fair enough, and well done. But if you want to get to the top, you can't concede goals again. Like Rob, you mm-hmm. love your front threes. If yes. Bale is 100%, how far off or are Spurs from three the best in the league? If Bale finds that old Bale form. Uh, are we talking Bale Madrid form or maybe Bale back back when he left Spurs? Bale Spurs early Real Madrid, Wales, that peak Bale. Uh, peak Bale, yeah. Well, I think Spurs easily. Bale won PFA Player of the Year that year. And he was sensational. Everything he touched turned to gold. I think so. I think uh, I agree. I think Bill gets back to a very high level. I think that front three is probably the most dangerous in the league. That's that's my thoughts on it. Um, special mention for Lanzini's goal. Um, yeah, all the season cool. already. Very cool. Yeah. Why aren't you smiling saying that? But the worst thing is, I actually quite like Manuel Lanzini. I like to see him playing for someone like Spurs, playing on a higher level. He's obviously been unlucky for injury, uh, with injuries. So, yeah, it's just one of them strikes. And it was top, top bins. I don't know what same things about Hugo Lloris trying to save it, but top hand oh, came out again. I mean, I, 
sometimes I just say, oh, yeah, we'll leave. Fair enough. And I, I do actually think keepers should be saving that. And it does annoy me that they go with the other arm. But, you know, I, I won't hold it against Frawley Lloris for that. I mean, <laughs> I will hold it against him that he's captain of a team that conceded three in the last ten. And this is another reason why captain at, at the goalkeeper is... A, I'm not a massive fan of it myself. Because when all is going wrong, there's not much you can do really, is there? You were literally but, stuck in the goal. Yeah. Well, the, the baffling thing is, We've got the England captain up front. Yeah. I know he's the French captain, but why, why is he captain? We've got the England captain up front. It, it baffles me. But, uh, yeah. I always say, if you get a hand to it, you know, if you're a top, top keeper, you get a hand to it. Realistically, you probably should be. I, I don't know if you remember, um, you say Derby a few years ago at Anfield, Jagielka scored a similar goal where he hits a cross. It was like a 90th minute then, I think, as yeah. well. And then he yeah. goes across. And like you said, I just... I don't understand why they go with that arm. And you know, obviously there's a reason. I mean, it, you know, clearly, it, because it's it not is, just one or two. But do you see Sunes' analysis of the keepers going with their arms? Yeah. The yeah, I think that is why people who aren't goalkeepers should speak about it, because he came across looking like a complete idiot, in my opinion. I oh, yeah, think... but then goalkeepers, honestly, they get away with mood. But look, I'll be funny, look at Pickford. Honestly, how, how on earth now is Pickford start off with? How has he got away with the tackle today? There's a, there's a million things wrong with John Pickford, and yet he is still left at number one. England number one. England number one. I mean, they're Same. rubbish. Honestly, God, they're rubbish. Um, um, one last thing I did notice, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it, is um, one of the questions Jose Mourinho had after the game. He was asked, is it a lesson for the team? And he replied with, for the team, yes, but for individuals, no. So why he read into that is that he's basically saying some of these individuals will never learn, like in terms of they never learn. Serge Aurier being Serge Aurier. an obvious candidate for that kind of criticism. He, he is one of the players that you look at. And yeah, I, I don't think it was a foul, to be honest with you, but still, he's put himself in that position to give the referee a decision to make. And like we say, referees aren't great. In a nothing area yeah. of the pitch. Really. And he, he's just so... But he's just he's just childish, like he just, and that's part of the problem. With three 0 up, everyone's thinking, "Oh yeah, happy days." We stop playing, and we're not a defensive-minded team, so I don't get why we stop playing, and think we can grind results, or grind results out, or stop other teams from scoring. But it's just it's too raw for me at the moment. It's too raw. <laughs> I don't have an issue though. When you're three 0 up at home in West Ham, I don't have an issue with kind of lowering the tempo and conserving energy. I think the problem is. Is that once you concede that one, it's what hard to... after that should never happen. And you know, yeah, but it does though. That, that this is my yeah, point. I'm saying it it's does. It's hard to Spurs. get back onto the top. Yeah. Like, but this is the they're like the, Fal- they're like the Falcons this season in NFL. As soon as they concede one, it's just like a self fulfilling prophecy. It's just like, oh no, here we go. Here we go. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. And what happened? It happened again. It's like so, we're talking about Davis. You know, he's not inexperienced anymore, is he really? No. He's- Four twenty-five. Yeah, so, I mean, that's he's not a young player anymore, is he? No, these no, things shouldn't. No happen. excuses anymore. No. no excuses for these players. They they should be doing better. Anyway, after the rough Liverpool game, it it did put a smile on my face. I don't think I've celebrated a goal not for my team that loudly before, just because of the worldy. Like when it, the the fact it hits the bar, oh, it's, it's again. Beautiful. I find myself asking, 
question, why am I doing a podcast with three kids? <laughs> well, it's the worst week for doing it as well, right. for all of us. I was still in the uh, grief phase then, but so I, I wasn't <laughs> I was just yeah. in grief. I was still refusing to did. believe it happened. Denial. I was still in the denial <laughs> phase. Um, so news broke today of the European Premier League, um, which has been called. Um, only limited info at the time of recording this podcast. So what we do know is replacing the Champions League, uh, £4.6 billion worth, like the competition is worth. Um, five Premier League clubs have been contacted, including Liverpool and Man United. It's going to be 18 teams, league system, but with a playoff system, which I think we spoke about before, like the American influence yeah. um, on that. And FIFA are involved in the planning of it. Would you back something like that, Bets? Um, on the surface, yes. But let's make one thing clear. This, because I, I know we've spoken about it, it's going to replace Champions League games and be played midweek. That might happen in the short term, but eventually it is to form a breakaway league and you know, the Premier League teams will leave the Premier League to go to this. Um, it's the same thing as the big picture target. I agree with some of the points. I think it's inevitable, to be honest, the way the money's going in football. These European giants will want more money and they will see the benefits. Because I think, so I read something that if they join, they get in excess over 100 million just for joining. You know, that's not to be sniffed at for these clubs. They're going to make more money uh, commercially, you know, within Asia and US. So I can see yeah. why they're doing it. But again, you need to consider, you know, the Championship, League One, League Two, all these, looking after your own back garden first um, and then talking to. So, yeah, on principle, I kind of agree with NC as an inevitable. Yeah, it needs to be. Yeah, it's hard to say now because I agree with it replacing Champions League. I think the quality having. Like, it'll be nice financially for those clubs as well. Like, on the Spurs documentary, you saw Daniel Levy having the com- uh, conversation saying, right, if we get to the final of the Champions League, we're making profit this year. If we don't, we're not. At least yeah. now, all the clubs know, actually, yeah, we're playing 17 European games. We know that's happening. Yeah. We can pencil in. So, financially, it could help clubs who are struggling to get that profit level. Uh, that's a good sign. But also, as a fan, if I'd love to see Liverpool playing the 17 are the best European teams week in, week out. Uh, as long as that's all it is. Like, if this is opening the door to, like, a European Super League where Prem is no longer, I don't want that. Um, Rob, would you be backing uh, the European Premier League from what you do know about it? Yeah, from what I've just heard, it, it does sound really enticing that we get to see the, just a, a greater quality of football at... Uh, at like a more frequent pace, um, but yeah, like when it comes down to like the the low leagues in England and the grassroots football, it it sounds like it's inevitable going to affect it. Um, if it goes further, if it goes further into like a, into like a yeah. super league, yeah. Um, then like I I just think how, how can English football keep progressing when there's like that gap then between. Uh, your, your championships, your leagues won, and then because yeah. uh, you know, a lot of teams like Le- Leicester and Burnley and you know teams that aren't in like the the big you know the top six of the Prem. Yeah, like how much how much do they suffer from it? No, that's, think, that's fair. I think what it is on it, there's there's going to be like the the founders, so it'll be like some really good Manu, 
all of them. So they, I think I read something. They'll be exempt for like 20 years. They'll be in it for 20 years without fail. And then there'll be X amount of teams that are guests. So you could have your likes of, I don't know, Leicester, say they win the league, get in Champions League. They're invited to be in that league for that year. I don't really know how that would work, but yeah. Sims? It's interesting. Oh, I, I couldn't be against it anymore. I, I think, for me, what makes, what makes Champions League like special, you get three of them in a group stage, it's because of the how little there are. That's what makes Champions League like special. A European night, it doesn't make Champions League. Europa League for some clubs, that's a big night. <clears throat> European football is special because it doesn't happen often. Now, that's all a Super League does. It's 80, was it? I think it's was it? 18 17 teams, teams isn't it? So 18 teams, at, so 17 And that's a home and away. So you're looking at about yeah. 30 games plus. Now, are you, are you a manager saying no? And, and this isn't, you know, I, I use Jurgen Klopp, for example. Well, I don't want Liverpool sign up to that and then you're in Jurgen Klopp say, oh, we've got to protect the players and stuff. Yeah. Because you just added on another 30 your game. So clearly you don't care that much about protecting your players. So, yeah. On I top of home, on top home of the away, yeah. home on. away would be a ridiculous. That's like you say, thirty-four games plus playoff system at the end. You're talking an extra league season. Yeah. Within, yeah. I think they'd have to go seventeen individual games. Maybe some home, some away. Even that's a mental amount. But it is a lot. But isn't it seventeen games or Champions League from start to finish? Isn't it roughly about seventeen? Um. Yeah. It's so not far. Play off. five. Maybe play five. Six five in the group. group. Six, sorry, six in the group. Yeah, so Two you're legs. talking about so maybe 13, and then if you're obviously qualifying for it as well, yeah. like going through the qualification process. So, yeah, it's not far off, yeah. and at least you know that you've got those games, so you could, drip, like, oh, yeah. for example, Liverpool this year could go, right, we'll get an extra centre-back because we know we are playing this number of games. The problem is you've got teams signed the season not knowing <laughs> We could be playing 17 Champions League games this year. We could be playing six. We could be playing two if we get knocked out before. So it's harder to kind of get squad ready to get the investment levels right. At least this is more transparent. You know but these are the games you're having. That's all, that's all, that's all it makes. You know, people, people mourned about last week about this big picture. Well, by having a Super League, you can have six teams or five teams in England who are going to think, right, we're going to have to need, we're going to need a bigger squad. And then the money they get is going to be reinvested into their squad, more majority of it. Then, so you're having the five in England are going to be a completely different, literally in a different league, and also in a different league financially, even more so than they already are now. Yeah. And then you're going to have the likes of Burnley, bless them, in the same league. As I said, and, I just realised that also you're going to have teams like, let's use Liverpool as an example. If they're one of these founding members, but that you say so they're guaranteed entry for the next ten years. Yeah. So that really they don't have to worry about how they do in the Premier League. No. So they are going to them weekend game in the Premier League, playing their reserves, because whether they finish third in the league or fifteenth, it doesn't matter to them because they're getting the big European money midweek. So that is a worry, but obviously there's no we haven't got much information to go off. Yeah. So it's all hypotheticals, really, at the moment. Honestly, if I was the Premier League, I'd be saying, right, yeah, no, that's fine. If you want to go and play that, that's fine. But in order to do that, you give up your vote for any Premier League discussion. Because you, how, how, can you, how, can, how can Liverpool and Man United sit in a meeting, try and dictate terms to, in Premier League meetings on, well, you know, they're well, off yeah, on. The, you can see their priority is... 
Yeah. Yeah, it's Miles. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, no, like, I'm dead, I'm dead, dead set against it. And the idea that, oh, well, you know, financially it'll be better, it'll be better for five teams in England. That does nothing for the game. It's all about right. those five teams being mega rich, but if they've got nobody to play against in the Championship, like, but I genuinely, it, it annoys me a bit, actually, there is even, and like I said to you earlier on, there's no, there's no surprise it's come out a week after last, um, after the big yeah. picture talk last week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Rob, but I think they would. Uh, from experience on this and the fact you were in two fantasy football leagues <laughs> at the same time and you left one to focus on our words. I mean, there's no room for a mistress. You know, classic Tim <laughs> saying, uh, maybe exactly. doesn't stick to it, but yeah. No, yeah. I'd be it. pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may want to explain that for me yeah. if Anna does listen to it. No, but just, just quickly, though, an evil across the room, but it's just. <laughs> but just quickly, though, I do think, though, like you said, Liverpool, Man U. I genuinely think if the Premier League turn around and go, okay, all of, you give up your rights, if they see the money on the other side and see the potential, especially with the owners, I genuinely think they might go, all right, then we're packing up our bags and we're off to form this European Super League and yeah. try to see what happens with that. Because at the end of the day, the owners all they care about is money. And like we've said before, it's hard to make profit in football. And any marginal gain you can get to get more money out of your club, I genuinely think the owners, and I'm talking from just purely an owner's point of view, it's, I think they would explore explore that option. I'm not saying it's, it's the right option. Interesting to see what comes of that. Uh, but we'll move on to this week's draft, the first official draft we've got, which this week was, well, Sims, it was yours. So do you want to tell us where it was and give us a question to sort the order of how we're going to be picking it? It was. Uh, the question was, who did you see as a youngster that you were sure would be the man, the player of the future, the one you thought would be a leading light in the game that never reached their potential? So it's quite open, really. Um, and it's personal as well. It's not like... Failed wonder kids because that's you've, you're the same old players with that with that list. Exactly, yeah. players you so, have seen and you have picked out. It um it was based around um players who I thought who I've seen play because I quite like watching the A grade for Liverpool, so I decided well I've seen a lot of players come and go, so it's based around that. No, my question today is: a few weeks ago we were talking about. Uh, player, if you can remember the last question I said to you, who was the who was it based around? What player was it based around? Remember you remember Owen Coyle? No, the last <laughs> draft question. Um, based or, on the figure um, of someone. Yes, um, Bent, Marcus Bent. Marcus Bent is correct. So today's question is, gentlemen, how many league appearances has Marcus Bent had in his career? <laughs> I don't think I even want to answer. Why have we turned into a Marcus Bent themed? Oh. To 2012. I'm not going to count his last two games, his last two clubs, because he's never played for them. Sorry, is it is it just Premier League appearances? Sorry, or is it all, all career? All time. So in all that time, time he's okay. played Premier League Championship, and he's had one stint in India. <laughs> oh, Indonesia, I apologise. Indonesia. The only good thing, but about being Marcus Bent themed podcast is because he played for so many clubs. That we're covering so many fan bases here that's just from well, this segment. Look, I'm 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 reaching out to our Far East fanship. <laughs> so 
the Philippines, but their neighbours, yeah. Indonesia, just get choked out them as well. Yeah, the American. Um, I'll start bidding. Sure. At five hundred and twenty-seven. Okay. I think it was the injury problem. Any injuries? I wouldn't overthink it. <laughs> I'm going to say three eight six. Did all right. I'll go somewhere in the middle. I'm going to go four five four. I can confirm. Marcus Bent, and I like to think he did this purely for the stats. Played five hundred games, bang on. Wow! In his career, definitely did that for the stats. Therefore, Burke, Rob, Butts is the order. Again. And for a striker, he only scored 98 goals. That's pretty poor, actually. One it's in five. Prolific, he, was a, he was a handful. He was a David McGoldrick. Uh, so, important for the team. Picked, picked in his draft. Valued by his teammates far more than the, the stats. The casual so, observer. It's like Roberto Firmino. I'm not getting into that. That's for another week. So, um, yeah, so just to give insight to everyone, anyone that listens, anyone out there at all, um, basically what we do now is (laughs) that order we've just picked, we will now pick eight players who meet the criteria of players who fail to live up to our expectations of them. Um, So in that order, it'll be me, who's next, Rob? Rob. Me, Rob. But Sims, and then we'll snake that back with Sims, but Rob, me, and we'll have our eight players from there. So I will start. Um, so this is when I was really young. I looked at when this was. I would have been about seven, eight years old. I remember being, I actually remember where I was. I was in my grandparents' small living room watching a game on TV, and they were talking about this young guy that was playing, and I was watching him, and he was doing everything you'd want to see at that age. It was a goalkeeper. Sorry, Sims. <laughs> he was a goalkeeper, and genuinely, he was. When you're that young, you just want to see like goalkeepers diving and making like massive saves like that. You don't appreciate like commanding areas at that age. You just want to see saves. And this guy was like doing so many like saves for the camera. It was unreal, but it was what I love to see. And from that moment, I thought that guy is elite. That guy is going places. And then, like I always had him in the back of my head. But I didn't really know what was going on with his career. And then a few years later. When I'd maybe grown up a bit, knew what football was about a bit more, I watched him. I thought, actually, that guy is pretty bang average. And that guy was Richard Wright. Hey. Um, Ex-Arsenal Everton. I remember watching him. I think it was Arsenal at the time playing on. And, yeah, he was unreal. I always thought of him that he was one of those players. But, yeah, I got that one quite wrong. So, Richard Wright is in at number one. Didn't expect him to come. Well, I'm going from Richard Wright to, yeah, I, you can argue he was a bit of a wonder kid, but the expectation was to follow, well, to be one of the next greatest players in the world. Um, he's won the Champions League twice, La Liga three times, also the Eredivisie. Um, he took, he, he Messi was initially the first, uh, the youngest player oh. to play for Barcelona, and then this guy came in and took it. I'm, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce pronounce his last name, but Bojan or Boyan Kukic. I mean, yeah, 
Um, like I I love looking back. Like back when like La Liga was on Sky Sports, and like I, one thing I used to fascinate me was why the second half would still have like the normal one to forty five clock. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, oh no, this this doesn't seem right. But like looking back, like a bit later, like I got to see like Bojan coming coming through, uh, and I was just like, gosh, there's so much hype about this guy. Like and like Messi wasn't even like at his peak as well. Yeah. Like I think he may have won a Ballon d'Or by then. Like you know he hadn't won three or four by then. But this guy, I mean, if you end up at Stoke, <laughs> I mean, from being that, yeah, from being classed as one of the greatest, that like yeah. going to be one of the greatest. Something's gone wrong in your career. So four anchor <laughs> pitch, and lucky lad, you're on the list. Nice, alongside Rich Wright. Yeah. But who's in the number three? Well, as a disclaimer. I am a Spurs fan, and my two picks are going to be Spurs-themed. Speaking of themes, mine follows a similar line to what Robert just said. And my player is a player who, at the time, like most of these players we're going to probably talk about, was seen as an up-and-coming kid. And I saw him play for this team. I thought, ooh, this guy looks, looks tasty. And then he joined the club that I support. And I thought, wow. We have got an absolute coup, yeah. Absolute coup. I just started sporting the team. As again, this can be really nice. See the just team. Just left Man United, yeah. did you? No, I just, <laughs> uh, just, uh, <laughs> this guy. Uh, yeah, I've lost my thought now. I'm be right off. That's all right. Um, yeah, so I'm playing a few games with this team, also in La Liga. And he signed for my club. And it was uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. Came to Spurs, big reputation, and did nothing. Spent <laughs> one season with us. Went on Lord Ipswich Town, can you believe? Can you imagine him playing Ipswich? Goodness me. Carl and Tassel, the Roy Keane as well, I believe. Oh, Ipswich. There, there we go. There's a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> and uh, Rasmus Santander, and has basically done nothing with his career bar winning gold at the London Olympics with Mexico. Oh, fair play. So, yeah. yeah. It's not as good as Bojan. Or Richard do. Wright. Or Richard Wright. I, I think like the, the, the ability is the same. Nah, some would say more. <laughs> so, yeah. Where's, where's Boan's gold medal? Yeah. <laughs> Sims, who we got over uh, not the top four? I thought the last two, especially. Literally, like, there's a bit, I didn't see how it come in, but Dosantos and Bojan were two names that I considered as well. I think they were very good. My player, um, early. Early 2000s, this is a player that I thought, oh, this guy, he can play a bit. I always remember, I think back, that was when I started getting into like, football managers. So you, you kind of, you step outside the Premier League a bit, you're looking more, more across Europe. And he was a player that I always considered. And I always thought, oh, he looks decent. Champions League nights. He wasn't really, they weren't really Champions League club at the time we played for. They, were, they, were, they weren't, certainly weren't the team they are now. However, internationally, he always played. Um, however, it's all gone wrong for this lad in the last few years, um, culminating in child abuse issues, um, where they found photos on his hard drive, which is never a good sign. <laughs> it's, um, it's not. So he played, and I thing is, I'm going to say he didn't live up to his potential because although he did play 126 games at Dortmund, he also played 23 games for Real Madrid. For me, he, he should have been he should have been one of the top defenders for the for the for the ten years in the mid in the mid two thousands. 
So Christoph Metzelda is mine. Oh, I actually didn't know about any. I didn't know that either. Because I downloaded yeah. an old Football Manager 2007 database and signed in for my Liverpool team. Well, I was watching the <laughs> You're getting sir. <laughs> because he is well. very dodgy. <laughs> yeah, his three years very much nosedive since he retired. How do how I will do not we, to get any more do, questions on Christoph Metella? <laughs> Legally. Yeah. yeah, where do we go from? So, going on to the next one. <laughs> this, I'm going to talk about youngsters now as well, which maybe not sit well with a Christoph Metella chap. However, this next player, um, he, a lot of it was wrong place, wrong time for this player. He broke in to the first team squad after a club who historically were very good at bringing youngsters through. He had one of the greatest managers in the world in terms of bringing youngsters through. Um, and what I, I think what caught my eye with this youngster, I, was, I used to love him when I was younger. When I was about 10, 12, I used to absolutely love him. I thought, I don't even know why, I couldn't tell you why. And I look back and I think, what was I thinking? Um, it was a time where the League Cup was beginning to become devalued because you had teams putting out their youngsters, their second teams, really pulling out, you know, ridiculous outfit. And Arsenal were the main culprits at the time for using it as a development cup. Um, and one of the players I always think is synonymous with the League Cup and Arsenal in those days with Arsenal Wenger is Jeremy Aliadier. Oh, no, I used to love Jeremy Aliadier. I genuinely thought this bloke was going to go on and I thought he was going to be the next in line. He was going to be the next striker. Then he got to move to Middlesbrough and I thought, nice, this is it now. This is his chance to make his mark. He played 78 times in Middlesbrough. And it just never clicked. And from there, his career just nosed out. And he did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And he's ended up now. He's played for Lorient, is it? Yeah. And he's retired now. But oh, well, I genuinely thought when he was coming up through with Burkham, Bonry, you know, with that 0-2 Arsenal top on, oh, he's, he's a baller. I remember winning the league with him on uh, FIFA, one of the old FIFAs with Middlesbrough. You know, outstanding for me. So th- that uh, that brought back memories. Thank you, Sam. Sorry, I'm here for. <laughs> um, but right, we got two choices here. Can I either go with a player who's still currently playing, so he could still, you know, rewrite history. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go for somebody who has uh, who has retired. Now, this guy, when he burst onto the scene, was compared with. No other than David Beckham. It was called the next David Beckham because of his crossing ability. He scored his first senior hat trick against Man United of all teams back in 2006 when they were actually very good and were winning titles. He then, his career then kind of stalled. He didn't really kick on too much. But then he had a big move, big money move to no other than Tottenham Hotspur. And as you can probably guess, nothing really happened after that either. He spent five years at the club. To be fair to him, he scored one of the best goals I've ever seen against the old enemy, Arsenal. Chess, his old club. The, his old club, his first club, yes. He made one appearance of him. Um, yeah, loads of hype for this guy. Saw him play when he was younger. I thought, yeah, this guy's going to get to the top. A couple of injuries didn't really work out. I think his attitude is a bit of a problem as well. Thought he was a bit bigger than what he was. And he ended up retiring at the age of 29 with an unfulfilled career. And the way he went, probably deserved it. And up here is David Bentley. So that is my second pick. 
Him Pe- playing for Blackburn was class. I think of that Blackburn team. Yeah, down to Pets and one wing. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Lucas Rob- Neal at the back as well? Lucas Neal, Matthew Upson, I think, was there then. Um, Paul Robinson. Salgado. Friedel, I think. Salgado and Robertson were kind of the next school. Santa Cruz as well, isn't it? Yeah, Robbie Santa Cruz. David Dunn. Robbie Savage. Two guys. Oh, having a fag (laughs) in the changing room half time. Class. Class. Don't make him like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Rob. Uh, right then, all four of us here, um, we enjoy FIFA, but it's only me and Burke who are, who are currently uh, engrossed in Ultimate Team. So this player, I was well into my Ultimate Team from kind of like FIFA 09 up until maybe FIFA 16. And this this guy would have been very handy in between kind of like FIFA 12 to like FIFA 16. He was on, I remember him being on FIFA 19 and being a decent player. But early on on the team, it's it's a struggle, okay? You haven't got many coins, you need some budget players. This guy would have been perfect if he went to the bigger squad. A couple of years down the line, he'd have been perfect if he needed a budget prem squad. And up in, you know, recently he'd be decent if he'd need a budget league earn squad. Now I, I spoke about Bojan earlier about being touted as the, the next Messi. I'm gonna talk about this guy who semi-touted as being the next Ronaldo. Like, so you guys know me. I'm a big fan of my music. Very musical. This guy's very musical. <laughs> very, very bad at it, may I add. I mean, <laughs> you could, you know, everybody has their own taste, but this is garbage, okay? Absolutely <laughs> crap. Stick to the football, focus on the football, and maybe your career would have been better, Percy Rodriguez. <laughs> I had no idea where you were going with that. I, I think yeah, they completely yeah. slipped my mind. I thought the pillows had taken over. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, wanted to, I, wanted to mention, I wanted to mention, you know, the champ- winning the Champions League twice, league and once, but I'm just like, no. You know? And uh, Gillian Balag once said that he's better than Bale. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Um, wasn't it with Jesse Rodriguez as well? His girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend was on a Spanish gal show, like a Big Brother style thing, and he spent five hundred thousand pound on like phone contracts and stuff, so to vote her out. <laughs> Just adds to the list. I mean, I believe allegedly, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy had the world at his feet. I mean, that's up there with Marcelo levels. <laughs> The, yeah, the least said about that, the better. Back to you then, Burke. Finish yeah. her off. So my last one um, is a sign-in for a Liverpool sign-in that we signed from one of the most historic cultural clubs in European football. One of the pinnacles of European football history. Uh, I was really excited when they made this big sign-in, 15 million. It was when I was basically watching every game every weekend. This when I proper went fanatical. Uh, it was under the Benitez regime, one of the uh, early sign, not early signings, but after his first season or two, and he got his feet on the table, and he knew what he wanted. Liverpool went out and uh, paid 15 million for one Ryan Barbel uh, from Ajax. I remember his first game. I was on the ferry back from Ireland, 
family holiday and the friendly was on the TV on there. It was Liverpool Verde Bremen. I remember watching in the like warm up before the game when they're just in the tracksuits on the pitch. Do you know like when you see Ozil doing the keep ups with his chewing gum and stuff? You tend to see players do that every couple of weeks now, like those skills in the warm up. Back then I don't remember seeing it as much or Barbel was the first time I saw players doing like these rainbow flicks and like keeping the ball on their neck and stuff at um at the warm-up time, because normally you have your drills and stuff. I thought, that's the type of play I like. This was partly because on the holiday in Ireland, I had a pull-out magazine of Lee Trundle teaching me to do skills, like different <laughs> skills. So as soon as I saw Babel doing it with ease in a warm-up game, I thought, yes, this guy's got it. And <laughs> first few games, I liked his directness, his pace, he was electric, but unfortunately, he has never kicked on. And I think his career is epitomised by the loan spell at Fulham uh, a couple of seasons back. So, um, yeah, Ryan Barbell finished it off the list number eight. Um, again, it's more of a nostalgia pick, as was Richard Wright, by standby those picks. So, to sum up, uh, just to go through the list again, we had Richard Wright, Bojan, Giovanni Dos Santos, Christoph Metzelda, Jeremy Aliadier, David Bentley, Jesse Rodriguez and Ryan Barbo made the official eight. Have we got any honourable mentions? Uh, I Gab the Bongla Ho's honourable mention. Yeah, obviously Jack Wilshire gets a little honourable mention. I I also I I I wanted to say him, but I was finding it hard to argue a, a better case than the, the other two was Balotelli. Yeah, El Hajj to you as well for me. I, was, I had three Mike Lowe and ten shirts for Liverpool. As soon as he signed, I bombed Owen out to get the uh, youth <laughs> nine. I was all in on the youth hype train, and I got caught <laughs> up. Well, I had another two. The one that stood out, uh, I kind of regret not picking him, as Eric Lamella. I still think he could do a job. And the ob- to be honest, this one's pretty obvious. It's the Alexandro Pato. Yeah. But yeah, he is. He's a good one. Um, so we move on to our weekend predictions. Um, oh, actually, before we do it, Rob, you're choosing our draft for next week. Oh, yes, I am. Have you thought about what we're going to be ranking? Yeah, we are going to be ranking, so two players each, of players that had a breakout international tournament. So you've got your Euros, your African Cup of Nations, World Cups, um Copa Americas. Players that are remembered um, for remembered that for, also yeah, then. significant performances. Maybe like th- those performances got them a move to a big club. Or maybe it just put them back on the map. You know, you know, we like there are plenty of examples there that where, you know, we've seen players who played in the Prem before and then eight years later they're just knocking them in in a, in a World Cup. Outstanding. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, so we move on to our um predictions for the weekend so we'll run through these we got Aston Villa leads in the first game Friday night game um, Villa I mean start the season brilliantly as well um, I'll start this one off by saying I think Villa home win I'll yeah. agree right back Villa looking very very good smirk. there's a smirk on Simmons' face no no I'm not, I'm not going to play politics here I'll, 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 I'll... <laughs> That's four yeses. Four yeses. So that's nailed on. That can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> is that the first right. kickoff? Is it? Is that half 12? 
Uh, that's Friday night. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be um, Game two, West Ham, Man City. <laughs> West, um, West Ham get a draw, in other words. David Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> David Moyes. I, I want you to start anything other than Man City win. Yeah, Man City. Yeah, Man City. 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 Man Fulham Palace. I'm going to go Palace win. Who have I overruled there? But, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up on my screen and saw Rob nodding like, oh, God, what have I done? Um, game four is probably, the, well, it is the big standout game, Man U Chelsea. Um, I, I thing is, I say standout because I'm oh. thinking back to Mourinho Fergie like 2007 style but it's the furthest thing from that at the moment I think um, again I'm, I'm going to stand back and hopefully I don't have the deciding vote uh, in this one as well. uh, both I feel like one can't defend but I don't know I, I, for some reason I think Chelsea might win I think Chelsea win Chelsea win I'm confident about it but <laughs> I would definitely be backing both teams to score point that <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I am going to go with the Chelsea because I'm fed up with back in my United. <laughs> <laughs> Rob? Uh, at, at Chelsea home, yeah? Yeah. No, uh, sorry, no. Sorry. Chelsea oh, they're away, you think? They're away. Yeah. Um, I will go the, a draw. Okay. Um, Man well, I'm just beaten PSG, just so you know. I'm going to go Man U win because I'm overruled, but... I've got a chance to be right then and show in your faces. So that's easy. So we've got Chelsea win as our like overall prediction there. Uh, Liverpool Sheffield next game. Liverpool. I think Liverpool. I mean, they've if they don't, they fail to win in three, and I don't think. Yeah. Like I think that would be a freak thing. Hot take alert: Sheffield United are going down. <laughs> Lock that in. How adamant are you, but oh, I'm 100. percent I've never been more certain about anything in my life. <laughs> I back Liverpool win. Liverpool win and Sheffield relegated. And I'll chuck Owen in as yeah. well as a request a bet. Thank you. <laughs> um, Southampton Everton. Hmm. I actually think Southampton will win. Think or want. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Four. I'm gonna go Everton win. I mean, I hope I hope Southampton absolutely kick the living daylights out of them. <laughs> but I think Thomas Calvert Lewin is in great form, and I I don't think any of that Southampton defence is good enough to put up with him. Especially with Hamas uh, Rodriguez delivering balls and Ginny delivering balls. Yeah, Everton win. Everton win. I'd have gone for a draw. Well, you can and be overruled. That's that's fine. Thank you. So, um, Wolves, Newcastle. Wolves win. At Newcastle? Uh, Wolves, home. 
Wolves just. Yeah, I think well, Wolves. They haven't played well at all this season. No, but I think Newcastle are. I think if they don't turn up, they really don't turn up. Like, yeah. there's no edge on them in most games. But they concede in three within like five minutes. Yeah. No, so I'm going to go Wolves as well. Wolves home in. Yeah, I'll back Wolves. Um, they look Arsenal good. Left. Sorry, they look yeah. good. Yeah, I like Connor Cody. Uh, I enjoyed him and Carver's uh, post-match interview. Yeah, <laughs> I was surprised. I thought Net was really good and Prudence. I think it was a nice little balance. Those two. Yeah, good players. Um, Arsenal Leicester. It's a game, man. Yeah, Leicester's struggled Leicester recently. Need a win. Yeah. yeah, they've uh, lost the last two against teams. They should be beaten. Yeah, I'm going to back Arsenal. I'm going to back Arsenal. Back a draw. Uh, I would have backed Leicester. Oh, of course you would have. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Too much majority. Two games cool. Uh, Brighton, West Brom. The first Monday night football game. By th- yeah. Brighton. Brighton. They deserve Brighton. a win. Yeah, they do deserve a win. I think Brighton uh, agreed doll round. So, yeah, cool. Sims has represented Brighton. Yeah, it's blue top. <laughs> oh, I've, always, I've said from the day you saw the Brighton strip this year that I were all in on them. A lovely shirt. Couldn't agree more. Um, and the final game, Burnley Spurs. How, how are Burnley getting another late game? I know. Oh, they're a fantastic team to watch. Fantasy game. I've got like three players and I've got to wait till the last game of the weekend. By me, Nick Pope got me eight points this week. <laughs> um, yeah, Spurs should win, but who knows at this point? But yeah, I'd say Spurs. I think Spurs, Burnley haven't started that great, in my opinion, this season. Yeah. I mean, if Spurs don't win, I don't expect to see butts on the podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope, it's a, let's hope it's a Spurs win. <laughs> the tight red for yeah. this podcast. Okay, so as an those 10 games come in at a modest 600 to 1. Much better than last week. The lowest we've had. Three, 3,000 to one last week. So, nice yeah. Coming in, boys. I'm feeling good now. <laughs> Rolling there. So, um, that's the end of what we're going to be discussing. So, I'll end each podcast by revisiting a classic footballing story. So, this week is a story about one Franz Beckenbauer, Der Kaiser. Um, so, in 2005, I'm not sure if any of you knew this, um, Franz Beckenbauer appeared in an advertising campaign for mobile phone company O2. Do any of you know that to start with? Okay, so as part of the deal, uh, one of the clauses is Franz Beckenbauer could choose his own mobile, uh, his own uh, house phone number, like his own personal phone number, anything he wanted. Um, so, um, as a player, when he was playing, he made the number six shirt his own. Um, so, quite nostalgically, he made the number 0176 so, nice standard. He's a classic number six. Great number. But the problem comes when you realise that the 0176 start is the most common like number prefix for like agencies and companies. So, it's like 0800 that we have in the UK. It's basically that. And the other side of that is, how is everyone's German? What's German for number six? It's sex. Sex. It's yeah. sex. So people were phoning 
effectively 0800 sex 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 <laughs> it was a sex line <laughs> so you had Franz Beckenbauer who has won two Ballon d'Ors he's been a three World Cup team of the tournaments as a player and manager combined he's won two World Cups six Bundesliga three European Cups probably the greatest defender to have ever played the, the game revolutionised football in the way he uh, and there he is again, had from like men actually wanting sexy time. And uh, yeah, so he soon took the hit, cancelled his contract, and took a more traditional hidden phone number that may have been a bit harder to remember and <laughs> harder for people to phone in the 3 a.m. asking for sex. I feel you like my to, big take he needs to give what the people want. <laughs> my big takeaway is that you call it sexy time. <laughs> it was it was more of a pun because of the sex yeah. sex uh, yeah number six being sex but uh yeah i think that's a good good place to leave this podcast thank you for listening yeah. if you've learned anything shout out to the philippines <laughs> and america <laughs> and trim <laughs>